Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you're encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Today's message is Rebellion in the Wilderness. We're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 13. The nation of Israel has been moving out of Egypt, heading toward the promised land since the Exodus. God had demonstrated and delivered his people with mighty power. We have the 10 plagues that happened. You could read about that at the beginning of Exodus as Moses is being born and comes on the scene. God has been leading them by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. So God's physically with them. They could see his presence. But even with that, even with the presence of God that they could physically see, the people began to murmur and complain. They began at first kind of against Moses and ultimately against God. And just as a side note, when we begin to complain or gripe, it's a slippery slope that can bring more consequences than we ever intended. And they said that just like joy is contagious, if you're around someone and they're really happy and filled with joy, it's contagious. Complaining can be contagious. Complaining is something, especially if we're complaining against God. James says this, James 3.8. He says, but no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. So he's talking about our tongue and trying to tame our tongue. Moses is is here, he's doing, he's the leader that God has appointed. But this story today really gripped me, and it stood out, and that's why I'm, I'm sharing it. Sherry has a woman that she listens to. One of the things she says when you're studying or reading the scriptures that, stuck, uh, that stood out to me. And she said this, you pull out the spiritual principles. When you're reading a passage of scripture, pull out the spiritual, spiritual principles. What might God be teaching us through these verses? So for us today, we're gonna look at these verses. What might God be teaching us? Is it a command for us to follow? Is it a promise? Is it a characteristic of himself that he's revealing to us? So when we're approaching reading scripture, and sometimes I'm a fast reader, and sometimes I just especially if I have a big book to read or something, I I go through really quickly. But this is where we should be studying or looking at the scriptures. And this is a tremendous warning. What we're gonna look at today is a tremendous warning for us today. Through it, we can see the patience of God in dealing with Israel. He has given us many promises and we can learn from their mistakes. We know that in this passage, 12 spies were sent, one from each tribe, In this way, they represented all of the people and the lack of faith of the majority of them is the lack of faith of the whole nation. So one from each tribe represented the whole nation of Israel. And this is what kind of blew my mind. If you're ever reading through scriptures and you just come across something that absolutely blows your mind, this blew my mind. It's found in Deuteronomy. You're not gonna turn there, but it's in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 19 through 25. This is the idea To send out the spies was not God's idea. And that just blew my mind. I always thought God commanded them to go spy out the land. It originated with the people. It was their idea. Moses unwisely agreed. They come to him and say, this is what we need to do. And he agrees with them. God told them how many spies to send and that each tribe send one person to represent the whole nation. 
So Numbers 13, beginning in verse 25, and they've gone out and they've spied out the land, and it says, when they returned from spying out the land, at the end of 40 days, they went on and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So they reported to him and said, we came into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. And it says that the cluster of grapes was so big that the men had it on a pole between them, this big cluster of grapes. Their 40 days travel covered about 500 miles. So it wasn't that they just went in, took a peek and left. 40 days, they went in the length and span of the country, 500 miles, and they found everything just like God described. A good land with ginormous fruit, and they even brought back some for the people to see. So they didn't just want to have them take their word for it, they brought it back to see. God even had told them who lived there. Remember, God said, I'm going to go before you and drive out the inhabitants of the land. So he even told them who was there. It was indeed flowing with milk and honey, which meant that it was able to sustain them in every way. It would suffice for all their flocks and herds and could yield much produce. Look at the size of the grapes. The 10 spies referred to the land like this. And sometimes you have to catch what's in there. They said of the land, the land in which you sent us, the land through which we have gone. But they never said of the land, the land that God is giving us. That's how they should have been referring to the land. So why were the spies sent? There was no military information to be gained. God had promised them victory from their enemies. Perhaps understanding the terrain could have been helpful. But Moses instructed them to see if the land was good and to see if the people and cities were weak and strong. And this indirectly led to the bad report of the 10 spies. So God never intended for them to spy out the land. In Deuteronomy, God's command was, go in and take the land. I've given you the land. And they come up with this other plan. And they said, well, let's send out some spies and let's just see. And they came back and said what they said. 28, verse 28, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And indeed, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev of the Hittites. The Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. It's exactly who God already told them who is staying there. So they found everything exactly as God described Friends, be careful of the buts and the neverthelesses. Sometimes we may be telling someone something God's doing in our life, and then you're waiting sometimes for the but, the neverthelesses. Moses and every man of faith in Israel should have stopped them right there. When they said nevertheless, they should have said nevertheless nothing. How can anyone say we spied out the land, it was exactly as God said, and we found it good, and then say nevertheless? They found it exactly as God described. Their eyes caused their hearts to become fearful. It's what they saw that brought fear into the congregation. They saw the people strong and with fortified cities. 
and giants living there. As those of us from the generation of Star Wars remember, uh, Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi, he said to Luke, he puts this blast helmet on him, and he says, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. That's what he said to him. Our eyes can deceive us. They were stricken with fear because of what they saw. We can begin to see what's happening around us and be afraid. In fact, the last couple of years, if you watched any news, all it is is fear. You should be afraid of this and that, and people are afraid to leave their houses because you're seeing what's going on. Or our choices, we can trust in the Lord and not be afraid. He tells us multiple times in the scriptures to fear not. Friends, our posture, our position is that we walk by faith and not by sight. We need to know that because too many of us just walk by feelings or what we see. God does not have us to live that way. We walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 30, and then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Caleb and Joshua were two of the 12 spies. And they quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. For we will certainly prevail over it. Here's that but. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people because they are too strong for us. So they brought a bad report of the land with which they had spied out to the sons of Israel, saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are of great stature. We also saw the Nephilim there, or Nephilim, however you pronounce it, the sons of Anak that are part of the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. There's this what's going on. Sometimes you have to think of yourself or, or put yourself in this story. These men come back after 40 days, and this is their report. We can't. It's impossible. It's too big. And the two guys are like, let's go right now. Remember, they're trusting the command of God. God told them to go into the land and take possession of it. He brought them all the way there. They're on the outskirts of this land. Two men can see the exact same things. The same fruit, the same men, the same land, the same cities, and one can come away full of faith and the other filled with fear and certain doom. Faith or unbelief does not come from our circumstances or our surroundings, but from our hearts, which God must change. Because they were walking by sight, they didn't believe God's promises God had given them the land and commanded. He didn't suggest. He didn't just put it out there for if they wanted to do it. He commanded them that they go in and take it. He promised victory, and all they had to do was trust and obey. This is what God is doing, and we can learn a lesson from the Israelites in that day. The Lord promised to go before them and scatter their enemies in chapter 10. All they had to do was follow by faith. This is where they failed, faith. This is sometimes where we fail. Doubt crept in, and they weren't sure that he would keep his promises. Doubt turned to unbelief, which quickly turned into outright rebellion against God. It's a slippery slope. They had no intention of that. 
But their unbelief and their fear turned them against God. If only they had looked by faith to God, they would have seen the one who is able to conquer any foe, who they have already seen do unbelievable miracles in both Egypt and in their daily lives. They could actually see the visible presence of God in the cloud, in the pillar of fire. They could see the cloud come in the tabernacle. They saw the fire on the mountain when Moses went up to the mountain. They saw the presence of God and it said it was consumed like a fire on the mountain. And yet they were still afraid. So think about that for a minute. So we might say, well, if I saw God do this and, and saw God do that, I could have much more faith. They saw it with their own eyes. And yet they were still filled with fear. We are not able is the cry of unbelief. But the cry of faith is our God is able. And friends, where are we today? We are not able or we are God is able. Our God is more than able. Unbelief is serious because it challenges the character of God and re rebels against his will. Think about that. I'll say it again. Unbelief is serious because it challenges the character of God. When you don't believe him, you're calling him a liar. When he says, I'm going to do this in your life, and you say, I don't trust you, you're calling him a liar. Friends, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's what he says in his word. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. In verse 3, note that they said, we, we are not able to go against this people. That is true. They weren't lying. It's true. But it wouldn't be them going against this people. It wasn't them. God was going to fight on their behalf. God would do this. And he's more than able. Their response of unbelief was a dangerous combination of truth lies, and exaggeration. From a human perspective, let's put ourselves and give them the benefit of the doubt. From a human perspective, their statement that they're too strong for us is true. They were too strong for them. But to say that we're not able to, to go up against them was a lie because God would be going up against them. It was true that they had surveyed the land. But to say that a land that devours its inhabitants was a complete lie. They had just testified that it was a good land, flowing with milk and honey. They saw grapes and fruit, and they saw that it was a good land. So to say that it's a land that devours its inhabitants was a lie. Their verbiage, all the men we saw are great stature, or giants, or we were like grasshoppers. These were terrible exaggerations and outright lies. Again, this is a perspective-based view and not the truth. Our enemy, of course, wants to tell us how big our problems are and how small our God is. Or do we have faith and say, our God is big and problems are small? They saw themselves, or how they saw themselves as telling. They saw themselves as grasshoppers before these mighty men. Joshua and Caleb didn't see it that way. They had eyes of faith. Continuing on, Numbers 14, beginning in verse 1. And then all the congregation raised their voices and cried out, and the people wept that night. And unfortunately, I hate to say, they didn't weep all night because they were gripped with their sin and their rebellion against God. They were upset because this was where rubber met the road. And all the sons of Israel, verse 2, grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the entire congregation said to them, 
If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or even if we had died in this wilderness. That's their response. The challenge for the people to use their faith seemed too hard. That's all that they had to do was reach out and take it. That's all that they had to do. But it became so grievous that they would rather have died in Egypt or in the desert than to go on with what God had for them. And friends, here's a lesson for us. We can make the same error. God wants us living by faith. But at times, it's too hard or maybe too hard to trust him. And we would just as soon turn away. Their promise was right in front of them. God did exactly what he said he would do. He brought them out of Egypt to the promised land. And they had to cross that threshold and go in and take it. They got to the edge and they turned away. One step from being fulfilled. Friends, I say to you today, hang in there. You might be one more step away from that promise or that breakthrough. You might be that close. It's right on the perimeter. Stay true, stay faithful to him. One step from his promise. Verse 3, so why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Now what started this whole move of God, it was their raised voices. It was their complaining in Egypt. Our taskmasters are are whipping us and their, and their complaints came before God and God sent Moses. He said, I'll do something. I'm gonna free you from the bond of slavery. I'm gonna do something. God said he heard their complaints. It came before him and he acted on their behalf. The crying out about the mistreatment started their rescue from God and here they are, a couple of books later, complaining against God. We can make the same mistake May we be careful about our complaints. God hears. Let us be careful. It says in there at times, God even heard them complaining in their tents. Even in the privacy of their own dwelling, they were complaining. They're not happy with what God's doing. And friends, this is the very thing that the enemy tries to do in our lives. See, Satan, his name means the accuser. And it says of him, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that accuses. And he wants us to accuse God of what it is that he's trying to do. God rescued them and was carefully leading them through the wilderness. He has rescued us and is carefully guiding our lives. He is the good shepherd. A good shepherd leads the sheep. It says he leads us by still waters into green pastures. He's the good shepherd. Instead, Satan has them accusing God to his face that he has nefarious purposes and that he's brought them there to die. God led them there to give them the land. And they're saying, you brought us here to die. How dare you? How dare you? What an awful God you are. They accused God of letting their wives and kids be harmed. They said, you've brought us here. Now our wives are going to be plunder and our children are going to be killed. Jesus said this, friends, he would never leave us nor forsake us. They believed the lie, the same lie that we believe, that God has brought us this far, but if we're in a pinch, he's going to leave us. We can trust him so far and then he's going to leave us. That's a lie. That is a lie. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. 
When we get in trouble, we think that he won't be there. He's actually our present help in times of trouble. The only one that we should be calling upon. Friends, if we start to think he won't be there if we need him, that is a lie. There are times we need to know what the word says and to declare this word. Jesus said in his temptation in the wilderness, it is written. He showed us how you make it through the wilderness. The people of Israel could not. They failed in their time in the wilderness. Jesus showed showed us how to be victorious. It is written. Trust what God says. He was tempted for 40 days, but he triumphed over the enemy. God said he would bring them into the land and that he had given them the land. Friends, God is a 100% God. He's not a 99.9% God. He's all the way, he's all in. Jesus went all the way to the cross. He's not gonna leave us in a pinch. He's not gonna leave us in times of trouble. It says that he's faithful and will complete the work that he started in us. In Philippians 1.6, it says, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, we're getting in the boat and we're going to the other side. And in the middle of that journey, a storm arose. And friends in life, storms were gonna arise. But Jesus said to them, we're getting in the boat and going to the other side. Halfway didn't matter. But they became so afraid that here they are accusing Jesus, waking him up. How dare you? I'm paraphrasing. How dare you be asleep? Don't you care that we're going to drown? They're accusing Jesus. Jesus had said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. All they had to do was trust in him. And here they are accusing Jesus, and we can make those same mistakes. Fear got the better of them. And Jesus, they accused him of not caring if they died. Friends, today, what do we accuse God of? When we become afraid and we think he's asleep at the wheel, do we continue to trust him? Or do we take matters into our own hands and accuse him of neglect? Many times that's what we do. We say, God, you weren't there. You're not there. You're asleep at the wheel. In my life, you didn't see that this happened. Friends, today you may be facing a wilderness, even today at this moment. But don't play into the hands of the enemy and accuse God of wrongdoing or neglect or trying to harm you or blatantly disobeying him. The errors of the Israelites should be our highest warning. And again, they saw the presence of God You know, 40 days, Moses is up the mountain. He comes down and they're worshiping a golden calf in 40 days. And they saw the fire on the mountain. Friends, we need to be careful. The unbelief and discouragement began to spread to everyone until the whole of the people lifted their voices as one against God and Moses. So they're finally united, but unfortunately they're united against God and Moses. And they wept all night. And once again, they were sad They were weeping because they had left Egypt in the first place. When our eyes are on ourselves and our circumstances, we lose our perspective and say and do unthinkable things. Oh, that we would have just died in Egypt was their favorite phrase. Oh, that we had just died in Egypt. It would have been so much easier if we just died in Egypt than to have to, oh my goodness, go through all this trouble. They even wore Moses out with their complaining Moses was always interceding on behalf of the people. Sadly and tragically for that generation, whose favorite thing was, if I just died in Egypt, if I just died in this wilderness, 
God would give them what the rebellious, unbelieving hearts wanted, they would certainly die in the wilderness. Verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jehuthah, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, which was a sign of just this was when somebody's in terrible mourning or it's complete serious, they would rip their clothes. They tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation of the sons of Israel and said, the land which we have passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection is gone from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. In verse 10, and this will be our last verse, but all the congregation said to stone them with stones. And then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. Joshua and Caleb stand up. They tear their clothes and they begin to beg the people. What you're doing, what you're saying is rebellion against God. We see that the land is good. They see that God is big and powerful. And notice all 12 spies saw the same things. Except Joshua and Caleb saw it with eyes of faith. And the spies saw it with eyes of fear. The two had faith that God would give them the land right then. Theirs for the taking, ripe, ready to go. They pleaded with them not to fear the people, that they were as good as finished before God. God is for us. Who can be against us, Paul would go on to say. Caleb had the spirit of Romans 3, 4. In Romans 3, 4, it says, let God be true and every man a liar. God's word is the only thing that's trustworthy and true. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Friends, I want to just close with these thoughts. Egypt was one of the mightiest armies on earth at that time. The nation of Egypt. Pharaoh and all his army with all his chariots were no match against God. In one swoop, the Red Sea closed and that was them all finished. Done and dusted. Pharaoh and his army wiped out. No matter what it waited for them in the land, nothing could deter God's mighty arm. They saw the Red Sea part for them. They witnessed a sea part. They saw it drown the best army on earth. They saw them washing up on the shore dead. Their faith should have risen up within them. But instead, they allowed fear to control them and turn that into an accusation against God. He is their provider and protector. So the one that is providing and protecting, they're accusing of hurting them or potentially hurting them. Friends, we can fall for the same trap. We can fall for that. We have seen God do amazing things in our lives. Some of us are a living testimony. We've seen God do things in our lives. We can see his character throughout his book that he's given us, his character of his goodness and his mercy. We can see his character. If you read through the whole thing, God shows his character. But instead of standing firm, we allow fear to take over. We flee before our enemy, which we're not supposed to do. I talked about that a few weeks ago. We're to stand firm, but we flee before our enemy and then accuse God of not having our backs. He has provided everything that we need 
But we accuse him of leading us to die in the wilderness. Friends, he is life itself. He's where our everlasting life comes from. Here at the end of the passage, they actually want to kill Joshua and Caleb and possibly Moses and Aaron. After everything that God had done for them, they want to throw him off, pick a new leader, and go back to Egypt, apparently forgetting that they were slaves there. God showed up at the end. It was like enough is enough. Do you ever have where you're fighting with your siblings and then dad's like, that's enough. Mom's like, that's enough. And God shows up. Now this is it, finished. This is the end. God shows up and he's going to, we're gonna look at part two next week. God had enough. In closing, are there times in our life when it gets too tough and we just wanna go back to our old life? See, friends, our old life, we were slaves to sin. We were in bondage. And he set us free. If we've come to faith in Christ, it says that he set us free. And if you're free, then free indeed. But sometimes to, it seems hard to go forward. So our only recourse is to go back. And friends, they had slavery waiting for them there. God delivered them with a mighty arm. And all they could think of was, let's just go back to Egypt. Friends, what a danger. And like I said, we can learn from this. We see the character of God ever patient with them. In fact, it'll go on. We'll look at next week. There were 10 times that they tried his patience, the patience of God, and they tried it to the end. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.